0: policy radio offering a unique perspective on everything geopolitics culture creation the reality of the world we live in coming to you live from new york city your host pierce redmond
1: Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Porkins Policy Radio. As always, I am your host, Pierce Redmond, and you can find this show here at American Freedom Radio, AmericanFreedomRadio.com, as well as on my website, which is PorkinsPolicyReview.com. And uh, for everybody that is new to the show, there are lots of ways to listen. Uh, Of course, you can uh, subscribe on iTunes, on Stitcher, uh of course on youtube uh also through rss feed you can hear me uh replayed on friday nights uh on a host of uh stations including uh awake.us uh, uh and also on saturday nights uh 6 to 8 Uh, Out in Utah on KYAH So there are lots of ways uh, To listen to the show Uh, And of course if you want to support my work Then you can always become a subscriber For as little as a dollar a month By going to patreon.com Slash Pierce Redmond. And on that note I want to thank uh, two new subscribers To Patreon So thank you Jimmy Uh, for recently signing up, and uh, thank you to good friend of the show and a repeat guest, Keelan Balderson from uh, wideshot.co.uk. Keelan also just uh, signed up, so thank you, Keelan. Uh, It's it's always great uh, when uh, fellow contributors and and, uh, guests and friends uh, sign up. I don't know. Um, But anyway, uh, I am feeling a little sick, if you haven't already noticed from my voice or – uh, my, Maybe my, my lack of enthusiasm So forgive me if uh, you hear me coughing or sneezing um, just, just sort of getting over a cold But uh, we are welcoming back Good friend of the show Robbie Martin, of course, of Media Roots Radio Oh, God, I really do sound terrible uh, Robbie, how have you been? I've been good, Pierce
2: Thank you for having I- me on
1: excellent yeah how how are uh, how were your holidays uh you know uh, exciting terrible i don't know how are, how are you with the holidays? I'm sort of like uh it's a mixed bag for me
2: I mean this year was pretty chill um family was a lot closer uh so it's pretty relaxing actually i mean i didn't it's a pretty small holiday gathering, so it was like uh yeah, it's easy breezy this year actually so
1: Excellent. well yeah I would, I would say the same for me I you know I, I, I judge a, a good holiday like this based on uh, you know the amount of times I get into arguments with my family <laughs> and there really weren't any there was you know maybe like a slight one um, but uh, so it was a, it was a pretty good holiday uh, of course though um, you know we, we had uh, I guess that that brief respite uh, and I mentioned this last week on the show, you know, I, uh, we did, of course, we did this um, Star Wars-themed review show uh, with my sister, and, uh, and we, we sort of did that on purpose just so that we didn't get into all of this sort of horrific stuff that is going on in the world. Uh, but, of course, it is, uh, you know, it is now the second week into 2018, and already um, the saber-rattling between the U.S. and North Korea uh, has reached new heights, and I mean, I'm talking even just in the past few weeks, if you can even imagine that. Yeah. Um, and I guess I would, I would bring people. Uh, I mean, I'm, Robbie, I'm, I'm sure you saw this, but for people that haven't, I mean, this is just a, just to give the the listeners out there a flavor of uh, the, the levels this has gotten to. On January 2nd of this year, we had Donald Trump tweet. Out, uh, quote, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un just stated that the nuclear button is on his desk at all times. Will someone from this depleted and food-starved regime please inform him that I have a nuclear button, but it is a much bigger and more powerful one than his, and my button works, exclamation point. Um, so, you know, that's just just an example of uh, this sort of um, uh, level of uh, political rhetoric that we've been seeing. But uh, Robbie, that's what, you know, we wanted to focus at least in, here in the first hour on. This, uh, the, the, as I said, this sort of saber rattling, which is almost—it's—it's it's not even just saber rattling. Now it's like really kind of into another realm. But quickly, Robbie, what is your kind of take on this? This—the the political climate in the U.S. vis-a-vis this issue with North Korea. What have you been kind of seeing uh, unravel, especially you know now into January of 2018?
2: Oh God, I mean it's—it's it's hard to know where to start. I mean, I, I guess I could take us back to. Um, the very beginning of the Trump presidency where there were signs um, that even though, you know, certain neocons in D.C. um, pretended like they hated Trump and Trump pretended like they, you know, he hated sort of these regime change neocons, there were very early signs that Iran and North Korea, sort of these two remaining, quote unquote, rogue nations, from yeah. the Bush era of the Axis of Evil and of PNAC, Rebuilding America's Defenses, there were still signs that there was that train. You know, I almost describe it as a moving train. Um, not, It didn't start moving after 9-11, but it definitely accelerated. And there were signs that that moving train wasn't going to stop, that had been moving ever since 9-11. And I think that when you look at it that way, that this is some kind of machinery that keeps moving forward and keeps moving us into these regime change wars it would almost be naive to think that it's not going to keep moving and that somehow it's just gonna stop or slow down because either because america will realize oh, it's too reckless we're going to lose too much money or you know thinking that some world body will step in to be like you can't do this i mean at this point i would say that it's. Unfortunately, it's naive to think that because look at what America has done so far, um, regardless of all these things, regardless of our amount of resources or ability to take care of our own country or what any world's government or body says about us, so or even what our own citizenry says. So uh, just to encapsulate the discussion in that <laughs> I think is important <laughs> because, you know, um, there's really no reason to think that the sort of the people in charge – don't want to take out the regimes of North Korea and Iran and I see it as not that they're going to be taken out as an inevitability but that we're going to seriously try to as an inevitability Mm. and you know the Trump administration has already signaled that they want to escalate in both areas Um, and specifically with North Korea because that's what we're going to be mostly talking about today um, it was obvious from the very beginning, you know, even the ne- neoliberal resistance characters, before Gate really took center stage as the reason why Trump was evil and the new Hitler, before that, <laughs> they actually had their finger on the pulse, in my mind, and a little bit more realistically, where some of these neoliberal resistance figures were saying, what if Trump tweets us into a war with North Korea? Yeah, And that was one of the things that they said at the time where I was actually like, well that's a genuine concern you know out of all the dumb things you guys are saying that's a genuine (laughs) concern so is the idea of and then also they were saying more crazy things like i was even saying oh look at the normies are going truther now because even people like i think it was tom friedman was suggesting that trump might do his own 9-11 in order to like shore up his power um so in my mind, those kinds of speculations were way more realistic and on the nose than what's happening now, where it's like, well, there is some things about Trump losing his mind. You know, the focus right now seems to be all about Russiagate and Trump's mental health, um, where there's not, doesn't seem to be much concern from that same neoliberal establishment that he is escalating us into seemingly a war footing with North Korea, um, and that he's gone further than any previous administration really has in terms of not just the rhetoric, but the actual drawing up war plans, first strike plans. Um, And other administrations have gamed out, you know, game theory, gaming out, um, doing, you know, doing these these sort of contingency plans. They've already, they've always been in sort of the Pentagon playbook, but this is different because we actually have reports now that they're drawing up actual first strike plans um, that are beyond just sort of contingency plans. So very, very scary. Um, and there's a whole lot of other stuff to cover in terms of, you know, the escalation on North Korea, but that's just, you know, that's just immediate right now. That's, it seems as if they have crossed the Rubicon into deciding that a first strike is worth the risk. So that's where we are now.
1: Oh and I would just echo that and to um you know shamelessly plug another podcast of mine. Uh this is very much what Christoph uh and I were talking about with uh, the recent uh Porkin's great game that we did, talking specifically about the unquiet frontier, that in reality, uh the neoliberals, the neocons, all the, these groups that are supposed to be at you know, at one another's throats at all times, and um you know, they're supposed to be opposed to, uh, you know, Trump, the isolationist. All three of them are actually in complete agreement, And we're actually seeing that, you know, um, while while we criticize Trump, you know, or we make him out to be sort of like a lunatic for, you know, talking about the size of his nuclear button compared to Kim Jong Un. Um, this is that that rhetoric might sound kind of crazy, but that's exactly what the neoliberals and the neocons are, are urging for. You know, it is, you know, yeah, we do have the bigger nuclear button and we will push it and we do have to get rid of them. So we are seeing uh, this sort of confluence of ideas sort of coming together. And as you just said there, Robbie, I mean, this is going beyond just the sort of, um, you know, the the average military exercises that South Korea and the U.S., uh, you know, do all the time. Uh, You know, this is getting into more like, well, what happens after a first strike? Um, which yeah. is really quite horrifying, um you know, especially you know not that North Korea's army is the greatest in the world, but it is a it is a huge army um and you know it, it's not uh, this isn't like um uh, you know uh, the, the sort of like proxy f- fights that we have like in Syria or Libya or stuff. I mean we're talking about a modern army uh with a you know a top down command structure um you know and, and soldiers that are willing to uh fight and die for uh you know north north korea and things like that um you know and, totally. and i just wanted to just quickly just sort of mention i mean there there was sort of this glimmer of hope with the resumption of talks between the north and south you know and we we have the north uh will will be participating in the Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang in South Korea, they're going to send a delegation. But, of course, you know, uh, John Bolton and people of, of his like, uh, you know, j- jumped to, to Fox News to sort of denounce this. This is a joke. This is a show. They shouldn't even be talking. You know, again, now, I'm not saying that these talks really amount to much, but at least they're not trying to kill one another. You know, I, I mean, talking is always better than all-out warfare, uh, but of course, you know John Bolton doesn't doesn't see it that way. Um, and Robbie, I want to kind of uh, jump because uh, again, as you were saying there, th- we have crossed sort of the Rubicon, and I think this really became apparent to me. And I was sort of um, I don't know, I was a little naive to this maybe myself. Uh, but you actually pointed this out uh, to uh, on a, a recent episode uh, you did with Abby on Media Roots. Um, Talking about this, uh, it was on December 20th of uh, 2017, uh, the Japanese newspaper Ashai Shimbun published a wild, wild story, okay? I mean, uh, reckless, we might even say. Uh, Talking about North Korea loading anthrax onto ICBM, intercontinental ballistic missiles, according to an intelligence source here, which I guess they're referring to some, you know, Japanese intelligence. Um, and then this was, you know, and there's really not a lot of sourcing. I mean, I'll, I'll link up, obviously, to the article, but it's, I mean, it, calling it an article is almost a joke. I mean, it's, it is it is like a press release from Japanese intelligence, probably. Um, you know, there's or, or you
2: could like argue, I mean, one of my theories, and I didn't really so. articulate this very well on the podcast, but what I meant to say on that podcast you're referring to was that, I believe that it's a signal of Trump and Abe's um, deep relationship with each other, and how yeah. it's possible that the Trump administration is just leaking things out into the Japanese press to try to start a chain of events that way. Um, that was what—that that was one possibility that I saw. Is that it wasn't actually Japanese intelligence; that it was straight from the Trump administration. Um, but that's a, again that's speculation on my part, but.
1: Well, uh, oh, and I mean, it wouldn't surprise me too. I mean, and and you know, Abe is also is not obviously not a blowhard like Trump, but does come from this far right, uh, militaristic, uh, it's, you know, section within Japanese politics and society. So they are very great. much in line when it comes to that. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if that wasn't uh, you know Trump just sort of leaking uh, information directly to the Japanese press, and then. And I believe even in the article or in other things, they even, like, cite, um like, Trump's national security stuff as, like, uh, some national security memorandum that Trump came out with, you know, as, like, to further back up this bogus claim. And then this was followed a few days later by a story that was sort of viral that, you know, everybody was reporting on, that a recent North Korean defector, who uh, is believed to be a soldier although we're not sure which soldier it is there have been several that recently defected including this one that was like shot at uh on the border and that that video was everywhere but there's a recent North Korean defector who supposedly according to multiple outlets had anthrax antibodies in his system thus the the sort of idea here is that he was either Uh, immunized against anthrax uh, because he was working with it, or he had been exposed to anthrax uh, and lived, and this is why he, you know, and then I guess had taken something to uh, save himself. But, again, these stories came within, like, seven days of one another. Um, And uh, it's interesting that these stories came so late in the year, and I want to get your take on that. But, Robbie, I mean, what... (sighs) You you are sort of like I mean you're at least my go-to expert on this anthrax stuff and I want to talk about the sort of historical roots of this because this is um, you know reminiscent of the buildup before the invasion of Iraq where we had these crazy anthrax stories popping up in the media of course we can all remember Colin Powell shaking the you know vial of anthrax at the UN and then of course. What is undoubtedly a U.S. operation that exposed numerous people in the U.S. to anthrax uh, in order to justify going into Iraq and other things. But Robbie, what did you make of this? Uh, the, the, these these two bizarre stories when they when they first appeared.
2: Well, I mean, it's it's like you know immediately in my gut, I'm I'm just like, wow, this is really obvious war making propaganda trying to set the stage using virtually identical propaganda that they used um, during the build-up to the Iraq War. Um, that was my initial reaction to it. And, you know, in my mind, I, I'm starting to get nervous of the idea that we might start seeing signs of some kind of anthrax attack. And my first go-to suspect would not be North Korea, obviously. Yes, um, yes. It would be the United States. Now, the reason I say that was, you know, and then I'm making such a wild speculative leap there is not because, you know, I'm a conspiracy theorist and, you know, and I look at anthrax through a conspiratorial lens, it's because it's really actually hard not to look at anthrax through the lens of that the U.S. government actually was behind it. I mean, so talking about the 2001 anthrax attacks. Now, there's been other signs, um, you know, since then, since 2001. That the US government has been losing um, a whole lot of anthrax in the mail since then in other hmm. instances. Now, one of the most recent examples of this is in 2015, um, the Pentagon actually had to admit that they lost or they accidentally sent live anthrax to nine different states and including a US airbase in South Korea. And <laughs> after that occurred, uh, over 23 soldiers in, in South Korea, American soldiers, were infected with anthrax. Um, it's very troubling to me um, that there's – I mean, and if you look into the, all these stories of these lost anthrax shipments, these quote-unquote accidental anthrax shipments, basically what it allows for is for, let's say in the future, you know, God forbid some weaponized anthrax gets sent out or used as a weapon of some kind, that if it came from a U.S. lab – you know, if it was determined to come from a U.S. lab like was the case in 2001, it will virtually be impossible to trace it back to its source just based on how many, if you look at the chronology of how many times we've just lost anthrax in the mail being shipped out to different scientists or labs over the last 15 years. I mean, it's actually pretty incredible when you look at this. Um, it's where did all this anthrax go? Has it all been accounted yeah. for? No, it absolutely has not been. Which you can find out in the in the reporting, so that's a very very troubling. So basically, the stage has already been set in my mind for some terrible false flag provocation of some kind using anthrax. Um, you know, and I guess one of the you know possibilities that seems to be um, you know, something a crazy administration might consider doing is launching something against South Koreans during the Winter Olympics of some kind. And this is just all complete speculation on my part. There have been other people who have speculated that the Winter Olympics would be, you know, the perfect time to do something like this, um, and I can't entirely d- disagree with that, you know, that point of view I, I, because I'm looking at what happened during the Sochi Olympics, which, is as far as I'm concerned, was sort of used as a distraction for the flashpoint in in Ukraine and Crimea. Um, You know, I believe that that's when the United States government and other entities decided to escalate uh, that coup um, attempt in in Ukraine, was during that time period. So, um, you know, this could serve as a distraction, but at the same time, like, I'm, you know, I'm talking about terrible worst-case scenarios here. Um, We might not even need to stage a provocation that, that awful to get us into a war with North Korea because, in my mind... The Trump administration is crazy and brazen enough to launch a first strike on North Korea without consulting Congress, without even needing a provocation of some kind or or, a, or doing it out of retaliation. I think that we have actually entered into an administration that is willing to launch a first strike on North Korea without any real provocation whatsoever. Just rhetorical threats is enough um, in their minds to do it, because apparently they've already decided to do it based on rhetorical you know, just the rhetoric. Um, so that's very scary. So, you know, I mean, I'm not saying, I mean, to me, both things would be scary. But, you know, if they, if, if there was a biological attack in order to get us into a war, to me, that would just make it more obvious that this was a false provocation to get us into a war, especially in light of all this propaganda leading us up to this, this idea that they have ICBM missiles that are going to be tipped with the anthrax. I mean, that's just classic you know regurgitated John Bolton era propaganda um that was things that George HW Bush was saying in his administration that was being whispered into his ear by his neocons about Iraq mm-hmm. tipping in I mean and if you really think about it um, let's just be honest here about biological weapons they're not effective weapons in combat um they depend on wind conditions it's already right out of the gates you have pretty much a terrible strategic weapon to use um, And then on top of that, using uh, a a missile tipped with a biological weapon, I mean, that just doesn't hold water. I mean, we're talking about, you know, people have done this before with chemical weapons like sarin gas, um, but not a living organism like anthrax. It just doesn't, it doesn't really hold up to basic scrutiny. There's really been no proof or, or scientific evidence that this is even a weapon that could be utilized effectively. That's what's so strange about it. It's like just on its face, it's not believable.
1: Mm. Oh, and I would say uh, to, to back up that claim just right there I mean, th- this is I'm taking this from the national interest, okay? Not a, you know, this is a very mainstream uh, publication. And let me uh, just
2: mention really quickly that article that I think you're about to read from is more skeptical about the claim than even the Vice article about it, which just regurgitates mm. all the straight up propaganda. So I think I know which, but sorry, continue, the National Interest article.
1: Yeah, this, and this was, you know, it's, uh, North Korea building missiles armed with anthrax that can hit America, you know, question mark. And, you know, they, they, as you said, they're quite skeptical of um, basically what's in uh, Ashi Shimbun, this this report that, that came from the Ashi Shimbun newspaper. But, you know, they, they, they for instance, I mean, they, they quote uh, missile expert uh, Vip, Vipin Narang, Who's an associate professor of political science at MIT, uh, you know, and he's done all sorts of other, you know, he's worked in, you know, consulting and stuff. And I mean, he says that he he's skeptical that anthrax would even survive the missile reentry. You know, so you're sure. talking about an ICBM is going all the way up, you know, all, uh, you know, I don't even know how many miles up into the stratosphere, and then is going to come back down that it would burn up before, you know, anthrax is destroyed by heat. So they're skeptical that it would even be alive, that the bacteria would even be alive during reentry. Not to mention, if this is an ICBM, I mean, once it hits something, there's going to be fire everywhere. So, I mean, can you even, you know, would it just be destroyed on impact? Um, And as you said, too, I mean, this, you know, chemical weapons traditionally – um, you know, we could even, you know, we can go back, uh, in time. I mean, they, they were used in, um, you know, things like, uh, uh, the British and then later the Americans, you know, poisoning people with smallpox with blankets. You know, they were giving blankets to people. Even the, you know, hurling, Sick bodies into, uh, you know, back in ancient times, you know, catapulting dead bodies. But yeah, when you yeah. get into, um, you know, even in World War One there are numerous cases where, you know, they would shoot some mustard gas and the wind would change direction and, and everyone would die. You know, the people that were shooting it would all die. Um, you know, we, we've seen this uh, time and time again. I mean, the, these ideas that it's, it's, you can't control it. Whereas, you know, a, a much more, I would say, um, Easy method, you know, one that that you can apply much in a much simpler way is, you know, sending anthrax in the mail, um, or as you you talked about before, Robbie. I mean, accidentally shipping anthrax, some which is, uh, I mean, I I want to go back to that at some point because I mean, how in the hell do they? Does the U.S. military? Accidentally ship anthrax somewhere. I mean, this really like leads even, more, you know, that, that lends even more credence to the idea that they that, that that the original 2001 anthrax attacks had to have been orchestrated by the U.S. I mean, this is just crazy um, that that they're accidentally sending anthrax around. You know, and like you said, has it all been accounted for? You know, um, how are all these soldiers being uh, poisoned with anthrax? But yeah, I mean, the, this this notion that they could even tip missiles with anthrax is patently false I mean there's like no there's no like concrete proof that that anyone is doing this no you know I, what mean, I mean let alone North Korea
2: well it's interesting because it's almost in, in a way you can almost look at it as an inverse Iraq propaganda build because with Iraq we knew that at some point in time that they were trying to develop anthrax and they you know they said at least on paper that they had a bioweapons program. And this was like in like the 80s and 90s. So that was what we were using, and even Paul Wolfowitz later will say, all that other stuff about WMDs wasn't important. To me, the most important thing was the anthrax, because he knew in a, in a way that that was sort of their one plank that had some validity to it. Now, of course, they, someone needed to send anthrax out to the American public in order to make that plank really have the validity it needed to. But aside from that, they also had to combine the false narrative, completely false, invented in a vacuum narrative that Saddam Hussein was enriching uranium and had a nuclear program as well as a bioweapons program. With North Korea, we already have, you know, proof that they have a nuclear program, that they have low, you know, small-yield nuclear weapons, but now we're also adding in this complete fiction that they also have a bioweapons program, and they're also planning to, you know, launch their ICBM missiles tip of the anthrax. So it's like it's almost like I see it almost like the double, it's like you need a double fisted narrative to really make it as scary as it needs to be to the American public. It's like one one type of WMD yeah. isn't enough, it like doesn't cross the threshold for like the real f- adrenaline fear response to kick in. So it's almost mm. like you need not just nukes, but you need bioweapons also to make people really freak out. And. That I mean, that's that's kind of what I feel like is going on now, and it does reek of John Bolton. I mean, he was saying mm-hmm. Cuba had a biological weapons yeah. program back in 2003. He wanted to put Cuba. He was trying to convince from and other people in the Bush administration to put Cuba in the axis of evil.
1: So yeah, I mean, it's just right. it's just told pure fantasy. <laughs> mm.
2: But it doesn't oh, matter, there, there, you know.
1: No, and and there, I think there's something uh, there's something like uh, more terrifying about. Bio and chemical weapons, as opposed to say, like a nuclear bomb. Uh, even though, of course, I mean, a nuke is going to do way more damage, uh, both in the immediate and in the aftermath. I mean, you're talking. I mean, there are you know people are still getting sick uh, from. I mean, just th- think about um, Iraq. All of the depleted uranium th- from American-made bullets. I mean, there there are whole there are places in Iraq that have higher cancer rates than anywhere else in the world because of all of the depleted uranium. So, I mean, you're talking about, you know, hundreds of years, half-life with some of these things. Yet, um, there is something, and I mean, I I kind of get it too. I mean, anthrax terrifies me, you know I mean? Or the idea of of some bioweapon is somehow more terrifying. You know, I mean, it's, I guess you, you know, I'm not trying to be flippant, but I mean, at least, you know, if a nuke goes off, I mean, I guess you just hope you're vaporized, you know what I mean? Whereas anthrax, I mean, this could be days where you're, uh, you know, coughing up your guts or something like that. So, I mean, and there is something just more terrifying, I guess, about the idea of chemical warfare. And that, of course, is just a, a great, um, y- you know, way, as you say, to just sort of amp this this all up, uh, you know, kind of bring it to a fevered pitch. But, I mean, Robbie, here's another thing I want to throw at you, too. Um, I guess I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if uh, if North Korea um, did have anthrax or what, you know, did have some sort well, of yeah, biochemical weapons. I mean, I agree. All, all major nations do. I, I mean, well, this is, this. there's nothing like new about this. I mean, you, you know, don't point fingers. I mean, I would say we and then probably next, maybe Russia and the UK have the most sophisticated bioweapons programs. And it's not like we're, you know, I mean, if anyone has ICBMs tipped with anthrax, it's probably us.
2: <laughs> yeah and probably just like some experimental like idiotic design, you know it's like I mean, no, what you just said is true. I mean, I really have no real reason to to doubt that North Korea, as far as being you know attempting some kind of strategic defense method, has cooked up some biological weapons over the course of its history. I mean that's to me seems likely, but what they're saying here is different than that is they're basically trying to raise the fear levels and and make us, it, it would be like as if, I mean, well, actually that was a bad comparison. I was going to say it would be like if all of a sudden people were saying the U.S. is about to launch a bioweapons attack, <laughs> but actually that would be much more likely. Um, but it would be, I mean, yes, they may have these programs, um, and maybe there's even some idiot in the North Korean government who talked about putting anthrax in an ICBM missile, sure. but the idea that they have them and they're ready to use them on Japan in South Korea and all these other things. I mean, mean, the the difference between, you know, the reality of them having a bioweapons program and the propaganda is that basically there's already strategic plans in place to literally send in raids to remove their weapons of mass destruction. Um, When I was saying earlier that we're in a scarier place now because there actually seem to be plans being written up, like first strike plans, It's actually gone beyond that um, because these are actual post-war plans that are actually being uh, done as drills right now um, by South Koreans and United States forces jointly. Um, And they actually have a drill um, that was being done over the Christmas break, barely got any press whatsoever. Um, This is actually what makes it to me more dangerous is these aren't being announced by Trump. He's not tweeting about these. This is all being done behind the scenes by seemingly you know allegedly his more rational advisors um, and this is from Newsweek from uh, December 21st It says uh, the US military is conducting exercises to prepare for the infiltration of North Korea and the removal of its nuclear missiles according to reports hundreds of troops from the US and South Korea conducted a joint training exercise dubbed warrior strike last week and what's interesting is so it actually says um, the headline is U.S. forces are training to capture North Korea's weapons of mass destruction. But the headline originally said U.S. forces are training to capture North Korea's biological and chemical weapons. And the only reason I think that's interesting is because it's like, wait, why did they change the headline here? Was it too obviously a parallel of Iraq war propaganda? Right. Is there? Do these people have some self-awareness where they're like, wow, that sounds way too similar to like a Fox News Bush era Iraq war propaganda talking point. We've got we to change this. I mean, it's just, mm. it's really, really crazy actually how similar how the parallels are to that propaganda. Um, and if it was just that alone, I would be, you know, scared. But it's not just that alone. It's that they're actually preparing to do this. Um, And apparently it wasn't even, you know, um, Trump who decided to open the door for this. It was McMaster, who, you know, this whole time we've been led to believe is an establishment neocon who's sort of in opposition to Trump. Um, But apparently he is opening the door to this. Rex Tillerson was the guy who who was actually leaning towards negotiating with North Korea. Um, but not, that's no longer the case either. Um, apparently, is that they've all sort of changed their tune um, behind the. Oh scene. yeah,
1: no, no. There, there. I don't think there's there's any there's no one there that wants to. Well, and that's what's so ridiculous too. I mean, like I, I saw some quote from Trump a few days ago. He said, "Oh, sure, I, w- I, I would talk to to Kim Jong Un if he wanted to," and it's like, would you? Honestly, I mean, you're you're, you're bragging about the size of your nuclear button on Twitter uh with this guy um you know and it it it's it just uh i mean i i i mean i'm laughing here cuz it's like you almost have to but yeah i mean they they've all completely changed their tune i mean there, there's they've they've pooed any of these talks they don't want to have any you know negotiations nothing like that is going to matter you know all trumps at more sanctions and then these like veiled and mysterious threats uh about you know obliterating north korea and I guess that, that kind of brings me to, uh, you know, the second part of this this sort of uh, talk on, uh, on the North Korea stuff. So, I mean, is the complete lack of, like, um, you know, se- uh, I don't know, anti-war sentiment here in the U.S. towards this. I mean, obviously, I think the anti-war movement is dead or, or is, you know, on its last legs. I mean, there's, there's so few people that are truly opposed to war in all of its forms. You know, everyone can kind of make an excuse, well... But not with this or that person, and this is deserves you know us going massacring people. But we've demonized the uh, North Korean people to such a degree, Robbie, that it is uh, you know I know you and Abby talked about this. I mean it's it's like almost impossible to find people that are willing to um, you know kind of stand up and, and defend average people in North Korea. Now I know that you know um, there you know we're told there are none. You know, I mean, it's they're they're either they're all either sort of cultists um, that, uh, you know, adhere to Kim Jong Un. And again, this is a wonderful, you know, um, uh, even if they were cult members, you know, that doesn't give us the right to kill. I mean, this is, you know, sort of off topic, topic, but, you know, it was okay to burn all of the Branch Davidians alive. Well, they were cult members. So you know they don't they don't really count as real people, and that's how we we view the North Koreans. They're either all cult cultists who uh, deserve to die, or um you know or or we really don't uh, we don't even see them as like real people. You know like I mean we hear these horror stories that we there's no n- real proof for. You know this is all much yeah. of it is hearsay. You know people eating one another up in the hinterlands. Uh, you know near China. Um yeah, yeah, you know, mass poverty. I mean, so e- even if that's true, so what? we should just kill them all? you know that, that's like a better life, I guess. So I, I just wanted to get your your take on this. and um, but before I throw it to you, Robbie, I will just say, you know a quick uh, quick aside. Uh, a friend of mine um who I, I traveled with um when i was uh, when I was in Palestine. Um, he is uh, Japanese and Korean. Half, and on his Korean side, some of his family still lives in the north. He has traveled to North Korea several times, and I can attest that you know he said it is obviously it is a poor country, but it is not the sort of like this, this. And he was not in Pyongyang, okay? He was in he was north of Pyongyang. You know, yeah. he was in this supposed area where everyone's eating each other. Um, and he can attest that that was not what he saw. Um, you know, there are just regular people that live there. Obviously, they're poor. Uh, when my friend Sarah was there, he was followed by a North Korean minder uh, most of the time until he bribed him to leave him alone, which he did. You know, I mean, and that's, that's what their, their job, you know, they're, they're there to get a bribe. Um, but, you know, just, just as a, an aside to that is just that this is, there are regular people that live there. And even if they were all crazy cult members, what is it? Does that give us the right to just um, vaporize them with a, a missile strike? And I don't, Robbie. Let me throw it to you because this is this is like the the second parts of this this conversation uh, that just gets completely overlooked.
2: Well, it's just really sad that you even have to make such an obvious declaration because it's like, of course, it's not right. Even if they were the most brainwashed cultists <laughs> on the planet who, you know, who, who, I mean, it it's, yeah, it doesn't justify <laughs> any of it. Um, and like you just said, I mean, it's like, it's such a closed off country. Part of the reason why we're able to project all of this sort of fantasy style propaganda about how crazy and evil and, you know, ridiculous the country is, is because it's such a closed off society. Um, you know that's sort of a holdover from the Korean War is that they've closed off their society, but it basically creates a vacuum that Americans and other propagandists are able to just create whatever propaganda narrative they want about them. Um, and you know so it's actually hard, really hard to know what's true and what's not coming out of the country. If you're a skeptical person, that is. If you're a non-skeptical person, you'll just believe everything you hear coming out of the country that they eat human flesh that Kim jong-un kills his relatives with wild dogs in front of a crowd full right. of people etc um, you you won't question any of that stuff but it's um it's really really problematic to me because it, I mean it's actually even worse than sort of trying to look at Saddam Hussein and and and, and trying to defend him against military attack because you know I can't sit here and say that Saddam Hussein was a good person. I'm not going to defend how he ruled Iraq, but I will defend Iraq's right to sovereignty and his right to remain in power and not, you know, be have his country invaded. Um, mm. But it's like you get into these framing traps. I mean, I'm sure you remember. They still happen all the time where it's like, well, what? You don't want to – you still want to see Saddam in power? Like you yeah. still want Saddam to be in power to oppress and gas his own people? It's like – no, dude, that's not, that's a totally false framing you're trying to set up to like trap me into like a logical fallacy. That's not, that's not how this should be talked about, but yet Hmm. you're going to see people talk about this in the same way. That's, that's the problem is that it will all be framed in sort of this sort of illogical framing where you only will have one, you know, it's like, when did you stop beating your wife? I mean, that's how ridiculous (laughs) the framing is, is it's like, well, no, I don't. I don't love Kim Jong-un. I'm not like, a fan of his. I'm not a fan of really any world leader. But still, I will defend his right to have, to, for his country to have sovereignty and not be invaded by the United States. I will completely stand up for that right. And it's, I think a lot of people feel that it's like there's no way to defend that, you know, um, and that it'll just make them look bad to defend that. But it's like, you, I mean, at the very least, defend the North Korean people. Um, If you feel like you can't go there in your mind Just look at all the people that are going to be killed From something like this And defend their right to live (laughs) Regardless of what government They live under I mean, because ultimately it was not even I mean, even if you hate the North Korean government it's Ultimately it's not their choice What government they live under Mm. I mean, like, are we going to blame people around the world For their governments? That's just just not a, a moral way To look at things in humanity So, I mean, any way you slice it People should really have a lot of compassion here for the North Korean people um, to to have the right to live and to live Mm -hmm. in peace. I mean, yeah, their leader is is sable-rattling sometimes, but I mean, look at how many people we killed during the, the Korean War. I mean, like, they have a reason to be scared. They have a reason to want to project this toughness to the rest of the world. Because, honestly, I mean, let's be realistic. If they didn't have a nuke, do you think they'd still be there?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, that's the I mean, only <laughs> thing at this point, keeping the U.S. out. Uh, yeah. is the, and, and, I mean, look at every other, um, you know, uh, evil uh, dictator out there, Gaddafi, Saddam, I mean, all these people that got rid of uh, nuclear uh, or got rid of their, you know, WMD programs. They're all gone. They're either in jail or they were murdered. Um, you know, so, uh, I mean, again, exactly. W- what, what incentive is there for Kim Jong-un to get rid of his nukes? Uh, I mean, that, that's the only thing that uh, it, it is keeping the country together in, in many ways, as horrible as nuclear weapons are. Um, you know, and again, it, it's, you know, like we're one to talk. I mean, we're the only people, and it's, you know, the U.S. government, the only, you know, only government to ever drop nukes on people um, you know, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, uh, you know, so it's rich coming from us uh, telling people what they can and can't do with their nuclear weapons. Um, and Robbie, an interesting point you made there too. I mean, like, um, because I, I get that too, You know, like maybe not even with the Saddam argument, but you get that with like Assad. Like, oh, you like Assad, of course. You know, because you're what you you don't think that um you know, butchering people all over Syria with, you know, uh, you know, with jihadi fighters backed by the CIA is a good thing. Um, You know, that means you love Assad. Um, But there's like almost, you know, like even with an Assad type character, even like Saddam, even though I I think Saddam was really just, um, you know, he was an opportunist, obviously. But there's like some sort of like, I don't know, tinge of like maybe they you know they were sort of independent or or they, they you know there was like something about them. Um with the North Koreans though it's like they've become this like cartoonish depiction of evil. Um so much uh-huh. so that as you said it's like it's sort of like impossible – like no one – nobody runs on like a pro-North Korea platform, you know, and um, – Except for like you know, really hardcore
2: communists or leftists. Some, some of those yeah. people do, but that's a huge – I mean that's a total minority. Yeah,
1: oh, and I'm sure you've seen some of those people on Twitter, um, yeah. which I – that I I don't really understand that either. Um, but, you know, that aside, um, as you said, it's like really hard to kind of, you know, come to the defense of, of just average North Korean people. Um, and I don't know. I guess it's just like shocking to me um, that they're really. I don't know. I mean, like there was that moment, like before, you know, I, what was it? Like um, when Obama was sort of contemplating bombing Syria, and there was such a pushback. But you don't, you don't see that at all with North Korea, even amongst the the supposed anti-war left or, or left. You know, I, I mean, know, there, there's, right? there's yeah. like nothing. It does not exist. I mean, again, they've we've demonized these people and created such a cartoonish image of both the North Korean, you know, government and the you know the Politburo there, but also down to like average people. That, like, again, essentially, like they're either all cult members who deserve to die, or they're in such dire straits that I guess death is a better answer than than. Um, I don't know, living? Um, I don't know. I mean, what, what, is that, what does that say to you just as like a human being that we've like reached that sort of level?
2: It's it's really, really sad. I mean, I am actually personally baffled by the idea that, that you know, whatever is left of the anti-imperialist movement, anti-war movement in the United States, I'm actually quite baffled that they are not more concerned about this. And the only explanation I can think of is that the Trump administration um, is doing a good job of keeping most of it behind the scenes, keeping most Mm -hmm. of it in the realm of, um, you know, just like policy papers and stuff, Um, which is strange because that's not Trump's style. You know, It doesn't seem to match up with his style. Like the fact that he would even tweet that um, about the button being bigger Mm -hmm. um, is you know that's the normal way we might expect him to to um, escalate a war situation. However, I think what's be- happening right now is very interesting because um, while the neocon think tanks are even still pretending like they're scared of Trump's rhetoric with the bigger button, they've been egging on all this other stuff he's doing behind the scenes in on their own channels too. So it's like they they are aware that there's an escalation behind the scenes in the Trump administration like in the Pentagon, Mm -hmm. they're egging that on, and they're probably excited about that, but they don't want Trump's crazy rhetoric to ruin that. So it's like there's a weird balancing act going on where it's like you know that if Trump decides to launch a first strike on North Korea, you know that Bill Kristol, David Frum, (laughs) Max Boot, they're going to be right there behind him. Yeah. Do you think they're going to take the North Korean
1: people's side (laughs) – no, no, of course not. No. No, that'll be his yeah. like, oh, he's a he's a true president now because yeah, or he's, even, he's massacred people.
2: Yeah. No, it's it's um it is absolutely insane. I mean, uh <laughs> so yeah, the it is really really um to me really scary the way that this stuff is just going um, on behind the scenes. Um, and I think that, I mean, that's that's the only reason I can really think of as to why the anti-war movement isn't picking up on it more. It seems like the anti-war and anti-imperialist movements in the U.S. seem to respond best to obvious, you know, center-stage war pushes, like sort of propaganda pushes. And the fact that this is sort of on the back burner and it's not taking center-stage is, I think, what's just making people sleep on it. I mean, it seems like the anti-war movement What's left of it here in the U.S. is mainly focusing on Yemen, um... Saudi Arabia. They've pretty much dropped the ball completely on Afghanistan. I mean, that's been the case with the anti-war movement for at least a decade or more. They don't seem to care that that's going, and I don't really know what that's about. And sadly, the only explanation I can come up for that is that the Afghan people are just not as sophisticated and as civilized, uh, according to the rest of the world, as like Iraq or other people in other countries are. So. Mm it's almost like they're more dehumanized in Afghanistan. So it's like less of a concern that we're just like mm. occupying their country still, you know, they're all like, yeah. you know, they're all farmers and they don't have running water. So it's like, who gives a crap? Um, yeah. but I mean, but I mean, yeah, it, I, I, I really don't know the reason Pierce. I mean, it's, mm. it's, it's a mystery to me, but I do think it also has something to do with the the other thing you brought up earlier, which is that most people don't, don't see themselves as defending the North Korean uh, government. They can't put themselves there. It's like, it's too cartoonishly evil to defend.
1: I mean, I, I think that... Oh, yeah, part- no, it, it's like it, they're embarrassed. Yeah, 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 to, yeah, yeah. To you know, it's like they don't want to look like a, a nut who's defending them. Or, you know, it's like you you're either fall into two camps. It's like you're the crazy person that's just defending North Korea, I guess, to defend them. Or this, like, weird... You know, far left communist Twitter uh, armchair activists who you know think that the North Koreans are just amazing. Um, you know, it's like both of those are like kind of lame, I guess. But um, you know, I mean, you can just defend. I mean, I don't know. I just just defend them because like you don't want to see all out chaos and destruction. Um, but no, I think it's like sheer embarrassment. They don't want to have to explain it. You know, they don't want to have to be that that person at the the dinner table. Um, defending Kim Jong Un, um, and I mean it, it. just it like goes to you know the credit of the, the sort of U.S. imperialist state and their decades of propaganda against North Korea to the point where it's like you know they're as we've been saying they're so cartoonish they they don't even they don't even deserve the sort of like obligatory war is wrong we shouldn't be doing it you know it's kind of like they're the exception to the rule. Like, everyone can be in favor or just sort of not really care. You know, it's like, well, they're just North Koreans. You know, they're they're all nuts anyway. So, uh, you know, we'll just sort of turn a blind eye. And I, I guess I um, – quickly, because we're, we're coming up towards the end, and I'll, I'll throw this to you, Robbie. I mean, I find it interesting, too, some of the, the – we've got um, the, the protests in Iran, which seem more and more like – they started off as somewhat real or real with sort of problems with the economy and, you know, slowly now been co-opted or not slowly, quite, quite quickly by, you know, groups like the MEK, another cult group, um, uh, and, you know, Israeli intelligence, U.S. intelligence, Saudi intelligence. Um, but it's, it's interesting to me that, like, w- with the, with Iran, it's like, well, let's try another color revolution. And we, we want, we want to save those. You know, there's, like, sort of this idea that, like, the, well, those, there are people there worth saving. You know, and we can all, we can look at this, the, the picture of that uh, young woman uh, who took off her veil and she's like yeah. standing, you know, waving. You know, it's like, ah, oh, yes. You Which know, is actually wonderful. from before the protest started, by the way. That yeah. No, no, was yeah, Not exactly. from the protest. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, it's and it's sort of like, well, th- that's worth it. You know, but with North Korea, it's just like, we have to have like a, a, a more straightforward ground war where we, you know, it's like it's about killing more of them. You're um, absolutely I, right. I mean, yeah. it, I don't know. I, I guess I, I just find it, it fascinating, especially to that North Korea and Iran are, as you said at the beginning, the sort of like you know the last remaining um, members of the Axis of Evil. Um, yep. And it, it, it's fascinating the, the, the sort of differences in, in the approach to that. And I don't know, Robbie. I mean, any anything you want to say on that before we sort of uh, end the first hour?
2: No, it's a really interesting paradigm you just brought up because I think what what you just described we're sort of seeing a collision of sort of the Obama era of doing regime change versus the new way and when I say the Mm. new way it's really just the old way it's sort of the rebranded neoconservatism versus the old the old style neoconservatism and I would argue that even during the Obama administration there was definitely stuff that seemed to be sort of massaged by or aided by the State Department and US media about North Korea that seemed to be making an attempt at least but, you know, more like in a vice-style way, not a real, genuine, authentic attempt, but an attempt to humanize the North Korean people. So it did seem to be some kind of attempt to not to try to, like... I mean, maybe they did, I, I don't know, to try to stoke some kind of protest movement there. But there seemed to be movement in that direction. And I'm not saying it wasn't for cynical reasons. I mean, I don't think that, you know... The, the, the people who want to um, take out the leader of uh, North Korea actually really care that much about the people. Um, but I do think that that switches now when Trump gets into office. But we're seeing the dilemma of the neocons deciding how they're going to talk about Iran. And a lot of them want people to forget that they were the primary people wanting to just bomb Iran and actually attack hmm. them. So now they have to basically say they support the people. They're caught in kind of a bind.
1: No, absolutely. And uh, we will be continuing uh, this conversation and getting into some uh, different topics in the second hour with our good friend Robbie Martin. So stay tuned.
3: I like very
0: much radio. You're an American institution. American Freedom Radio.
3: American Survival Wholesale is a proud sponsor of the American Freedom Radio. And when you purchase quality products from americansurvivalwholesale.com, you help support this program. Our quality non-GMO foods do not contain MSG, high-fructose corn syrup, or heavy metals. At American Survival Wholesale, you can choose from over 8,000 quality products, including self-defense weapons, bug-out bags, and long-term storable food at wholesale prices. We also have custom food packs available, including gluten-free, dairy-free, and vegetarian packs. If we don't have it, you don't need it. American Survival Wholesale is a veteran-owned and operated company which also supports our veterans in need. And we are very active in disaster relief. If you would like to become a distributor, please email us at USA.com or call 818-720-0759. We offer free consultations to answer all your questions. Do it today while things are calm. That's americansurvivalwholesale.com.
0: And I hope people support American Freedom Radio. And I hope people vote with their dollars and really understand the value of having American Freedom Radio. Because that's my family. If you love me at all, Jack Blood, support American Freedom Radio. Like my family has literally disowned me. (laughs) American Freedom Radio, Danny and Don and those guys, those are my actual family. So please, please support these guys because they have all the technology. They have all these great things that they're going to do. But obviously, they can't do it all by themselves. So not only would I like to see you support them, I'd like to see you retweet them and repost them and really get involved and get on the the bandwagon, so to speak, on doing that do-it-yourself promotion because they're a do-it-yourself radio network, and, uh, and we just need that so much.
4: I don't like words that hide the truth. I don't like words that conceal reality. I don't like euphemisms. And American English is loaded with euphemisms. Because Americans have a lot of trouble dealing with reality. Americans have trouble facing the truth. So they invent a kind of a soft language to protect themselves from it. I'll give you an example of that. When I was a little kid, if I got sick, they wanted me to go to the hospital and see the doctor. Now they want me to go to a health maintenance organization. Smug, greedy, well-fed, white people have invented a language to conceal their sins. It's as simple as that. The CIA doesn't kill anybody anymore. They neutralize people. The government doesn't lie. It engages in disinformation. Israeli murderers are called commandos. Arab commandos are called terrorists. Contra killers are called freedom fighters. Well, if crime fighters fight crime and firefighters fight fire, what do freedom fighters fight? They never mention that part of it to us, do they? Never mention that part of it.
5: You're listening to AmericanFreedomRadio.com, the network who perseveres in delivering intelligent debate, constructive dialogue with true independence. The freedom to broadcast the truth is not free at all. So what is American Freedom Radio worth to you? The empowering information with fun, honest, and pure integrity behind it provides an example to follow, friendships to flourish, with the moral altruism that pulls no punches. The hosts sacrifice and show remarkable discipline in their duty to deliver quality radio and service to the community with strength, wisdom, and loyalty. The founders of AFI wish to thank you personally for sharing your views and insights to make the best radio and alternative media. Now it's time for you to give something back and play a vital role in the future of America. Be as generous with us as we've been with you. Click on the donate banner at AmericanFreedomRadio.com or volunteer by emailing AmericanFreedomRadio.com. Vaccine, psychotropic drugs, and artillery batteries not included. Launch, initiated. We're now in the approach phase, everything looking good.
4: to experience American Freedom Radio
0: Hawkins Policy Radio Offering a unique perspective on everything Geopolitics Culture creation The reality of the world we live in To you live from New York City, your host, Pierce Redmond.
1: Okay, everybody, welcome back to Porkins Policy Radio. I am your host, Pierce Redmond. If you are joining us now in the second hour, we are uh, joined uh, again by our good friend and frequent guest on the show, Robbie Martin, uh, who, uh, and we've been discussing uh, this, uh, oh, I don't know, insanity with North Korea and, and anthrax and, and, and weapons and all that sort of stuff. Um, and of course, um, you know, I, I forgot, uh, Robbie, uh, to have you plug your excellent work on the anthrax, uh, attacks. And so, uh, tell people where they can go to, uh, check out, um, your work on, on the, on the anthrax attacks back in 2001.
2: So I made a documentary film, um, I would call it a short documentary film because it's only about 40 minutes long. Called American Anthrax, it's completely free um, to view on YouTube. Um, I did an update of it called American Anthrax 1.5. Um, that is got a little bit more information in it. Um, it has quieter music. Um, there's a little <laughs> bit of changes to, that were done to it to make it a little bit just better and more informative, and, and you know you can show it to your grandparents. Without them getting weirded out by some of the music <laughs> choices that I put on there, um, but basically it just it's it summarizes um, that uh, you know the 2001 anthrax attacks and kind of lays out a case that not only did the Bush administration and neocons try to use the attacks um, as a primary plank for the Iraq war propaganda campaign. Um, But it also makes the case that the person that they were pinned on eventually, around 2007, Bruce Ivins, um, actually couldn't have done the attack, um, at least not by himself, Um, Mm. so that he must have had accomplices. I also show um, plenty of evidence in the documentary, too, that the actual people the letters were sent to, including politicians um, Tom Daschle and Patrick Leahy, that they didn't believe the FBI's conclusions um, which is quite strange considering that the anthrax actually came from a U.S. bioweapons lab. Um, it was a weaponized strain of anthrax weaponized by the U.S. government. So that's what I showed my film, um, and another film series that I did that actually, uh, has some stuff about anthrax in it, but isn't really about anthrax specifically is a very heavy agenda. And I go into, um, you know things the neocons said about anthrax and some but just bizarre kind of startling predictions they made leading up to the anthrax attacks that after 9-11 there seemed to be kind of this excitement almost like an orgasmic ecstasy from certain neocons hoping and wishing for a second stage of terrorism after 9-11 which they did get and many of them actually predicted how that what form that second stage and how it would come and, and they predicted it would be anthrax and they were correct so that's stuff that I put in more into a very heavy agenda. And then since the very heavy agenda, um, some of my follow-up research on the anthrax attacks have led me to a, a whistleblower named Matt DeHart, who is in jail right now. Um, and he claims that while he was working as a drone intelligence um, analyst for the U.S. Army, that he got contacted by an FBI whistleblower who gave him a cache of documents essentially showing – Step by step, showing them all the puzzle pieces connected together of how the CIA was actually behind the 2001 anthrax attacks, um, and that it was actually a CIA operation designed to get us into the Iraq War by murdering, you know, who, who knows how many people, but they ended up murdering five American uh, citizens um, in order to create this propaganda landscape. Um, but according to this uh, this whistleblower. Part of the reason that this, uh, that it's, that he thinks the CIA did it is because there are traces of radiation, um, that no, this is something the public doesn't know about. This is never publicly released. And if this is true, it's very alarming, um, is that this radiation that was found on the anthrax spores, um, actually is traceable because radiation leaves a trail and it was traceable back to a location other than the location the FBI claims that it came from, which again points to the CIA source. so that's another interesting revelation and then and then and then in the end, apparently Dick Cheney uh, quashed that part of the investigation. Uh, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission was was actually assigned to that part of the investigation and he quashed it himself. He personally intervened to stop it. Um, so there, I mean, there's a, there's a whole lot of rabbit holes just with the anthrax. I'm currently working mm. on links between the Trump administration and various people close to the Trump administration and the 2001 anthrax attacks, uh, specifically Rudy Giuliani, um, and even Mike Pence, um, who claims he was an anthrax victim in 2001. Oh, that's right. Um, He went on the media with his, I mean, he went on the news with his family to get Zipro treatments at the hospital. I mean, you can look up Mike Pence and Anthrax on YouTube, find a bunch of weird stuff. Rudy Giuliani, um, uh, you know, made millions of dollars potentially off of the 2001 Anthrax attacks, just alone because he had a cleanup company that was ready to go right after the attacks um, to fumigate some of the locations that the Anthrax actually hit. So, and and again, you know, Rudy Giuliani is very close with Trump. Um, So there's a whole lot of other things. Some of those revelations are going to come out in a future um, documentary I'm working on. Um, But that's, yeah, that's pretty much where people can find it. Um, They can go to AVeryHeavyAgenda.com. American Anthrax is the name of my other documentary, and uh, yeah, there's a a whole lot of stuff I've done out there on Anthrax, including a a bunch of podcasts as well.
1: Mm. Yeah, and, and the, the podcast, I assume, you can find uh, at mediaroots.org, right? Uh, yeah. Excellent. Um, uh, <laughs> there's a lot there. I just And I guess while we're, while we're back on anthrax, um, you know, I, I, there's like the, – the, obviously, as I said, it, it elicits this sort of deep-seated fear uh, with anthrax. And you were just saying, you know, Mike Pence and his family uh, went for Cipro – treatment, and Cipro is the um, uh, drug that is, I, I believe it's uh, still produced by Bayer, um, and it, it's, uh, it's actually used for a variety of different things, but it, it is also, it is like sort of the, the main drug that they, they sort of prescribe uh, for people that have been exposed to anthrax. And just as an aside to that, before people start going out and buying Cipro, because that did happen during 2001, doctors were uh, being inundated with requests for you know that people wanted Cipro, and I, and I guess they were like complying with this. Um, you know, of course, doctors really work for the drug companies, so they don't really care. But Which just is a whole to, uh, story.
2: There's a whole story in and of itself about that that's very interesting. I, I mean, if you want me to talk about it, I can. But
1: <laughs> well, yeah, no, no, just because it's like it that is crazy too, and and I just wanted to I do want to hear what you have to say on that, and just quickly, penicillin. Has, is also um, works to combat anthrax, okay? Penicillin, which has been around forever, uh, there's more actual hard evidence um, in terms of penicillin combating anthrax than there is Cipro. Like, the, Bayer has never run, um, you know, double-blind tests where they expose people to anthrax and give them Cipro, okay? They, the, only, the only real, like, Cipro... Um, studies have been done with animals, whereas there is tons of documented evidence of, you know, penicillin and anthrax uh, working. And penicillin doesn't, like, cause all sorts of, like, long-lasting health defects the way that Cipro does. So, I mean, yeah, Robbie, quickly, I mean, what is the the sort of history behind that?
2: Well, don't, yeah, don't go out. I'm going to reiterate what Pierce just said. Do not go out (laughs) and ask your doctor for Cipro because you're afraid of a North Korean biological weapons attack, or even if you're afraid of the U.S. government doing something like putting anthrax through mail again, because Cipro um, is actually very harmful. And uh, one of the main side effects I'm aware of that it has is uh, you don't see it really on any other medication. Um, uh sensitivity to sunlight is is one that's you know it makes it kind of odd right out of the gates you see that in the bottle you're like hmm what yeah. what is that that's what's with that um another side effect it has is uh you should not do any serious exercise weightlifting or specifically stretching while on cipro because it can cause permanent tendonitis um which uh is basically will will put you in you know pain for the rest of your life um if you actually you know do any serious muscle stretching, um, you know, sort of tweak your muscle too far while on Cipro. um, It can seriously harm you. So um, it it is a terrible medication. And yeah, as you said, there are other antibiotics that are just as effective in combating anthrax. That documentation is out there. Um, And you shouldn't also be taking antibiotics unless you really need to either yeah, um, because your body can build up a resistance to them. Um, And... So, yeah, I mean, just the fact that there was a Cipro rush before, I mean, this is what's something that I learned from uh, researcher, Graham McQueen, is there was this idea out there that there was a bio-attack coming after 9-11, and it wasn't just something that like neocons and public officials were hinting at, it was something that was also filtered down, you know, into the public rumor mill as well. there was a lot of evidence that mainly rich people uh, richer uh, you know people who made over a certain amount um, of yearly income were actually privy to the cipro warning um... leading up to the anthrax attacks and there's an actual news report that you can find that the ap did talking about the cipro rush in wealthy affluent neighborhoods around washington dc mm-hmm. um... and that's very intriguing because what does that mean does that mean that there were just people on the inside who were telling all their friends, you know, and, um, like intelligence officials leaking out to their friends that, you know, they should get Cipro because we have evidence that this attack was coming? Um, because that's a really specific thing to tell people to go get. Um, it's not, you know, it, it's kind of different from telling people to duct tape their windows up to prevent, uh, you know, a chemical weapons attack. It's a specific antibiotic that would really only prevent anthrax infection. And, um, Where, what kind of intelligence do they have uh, to say that? Because ultimately, the FBI says it came from an insider who worked for the U.S. government. So it doesn't really, when you put all these pieces together, it really doesn't make sense. It's like, why were they, or or were they releasing, were they putting this out into the rumor mill, telling people to get Cipro because they wanted to generate hysteria, you know, Mm -hmm. leading up to um, a, a staged anthrax attack? It's... It's very, very odd, um, but what it does is is it provides cover for specific officials who, for some reason or another, were on Cipro before 9-11. I mean, sorry, not before 9-11, before the Anthrax attacks. Some of them were actually put on Cipro on the evening of 9-11, including yes. Dick Cheney's staff that we know for a fact. Um, and if Dick Cheney's staff was on Cipro, then we probably know that George W. Bush was on Cipro. That all the neocons inside the Bush administration were probably also on Cipro. That's why I regularly call David from David Cipro from. That's the nickname I've gave him, given him, because mm-hmm. he he. I, I would like to see him and other Bush officials say on record that no, we were not on Cipro on 9/11. And I would be surprised if they could say that because I believe that they were. Um, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that somehow they all knew that that was going to be the next attack but they were taking it like a month before it happened so that's also strange you know does that that also kind of maybe implies that it wasn't you know a Bush administration terror attack is what I'm saying that it could have been something a little more nuanced than that maybe someone in, was on the inside who knew but not everybody knew um, there's also right. evidence that Dick Cheney was apparently very scared of being infected with anthrax himself, like someone actually trying to specifically target him and kill him, and that's part of why he claims he was hiding in a bunker in, I think, the mountains of Virginia or Maryland, I think, um, for like a, almost a whole month. He was barely making any public appearances in between 9-11 and the 2001 anthrax attacks, or even in the month of October. He kind of went off the map um, was a strange sort of disappearance from Dick Cheney there. So, there's mm-hmm. so many things here that need to be re-examined. I mean, and, you know, unfortunately there's just not enough interest in it it's not a salacious enough or crazy enough sounding conspiracy it doesn't hit all the sort of reptile brain you know like hot spots like pizza gate does um, so you know even 9-11 eclipses the anthrax attacks which I think there's a lot of extremely valid questions to be asked on 9-11 it's still much bigger than anthrax it makes it easy I think for people to just not look closer at this this stuff because really only five people died um i think it just on in terms of scale it just kind of gets buried but it also you know the people always use the phrase memory hold because a lot of people don't even remember this happened which to me is incredibly strange um until you remind them of it it's like people just have erased this from their consciousness that we also got hit by anthrax and five people died from it um
1: <laughs> no and i i and I, you know and I've talked about this before on the show. You know, obviously, I was here in New York during 9-11. I knew people that were affected. um, And it was obviously horrifying for me. I mean, I was only, I don't know, I was in, like, the seventh grade when it happened. But I'll tell you, um, the anthrax stuff, that might have even scared me more as a child because there really is, like, what do you do for that? You know what I mean? When, When it was, like, it was coming in the mail. I mean, suddenly it was, like, anybody could be... Attacked, you know. I mean, it was it was horrifying. And again, there's there's something, you know. The the, obviously 9/11 was a sort of spectacular moment in terms of terrorism on on the scale of it. But there is something really horrifying about the idea that someone was just sending around anthrax to virtually, you know, anybody could be affected. And it was, you know, and it's like. You know, it's one of those things, like, you open up the letter, anybody in the room could be affected. You know, what if you coughed on it? What if the fan hit it? You know what I mean? Like, it was so kind of terrifying. Um, and, uh, you know, just what you're saying there, Robbie, the fact that people were taking Cipro months before, or, you know, or at least a month before, um, and the idea that, you know, this was – um you know fairly like if dick cheney is taking it i mean then then it really sort of raises the question of who was running this program and was it could it have been on such a scale that the vice president would be infected with anthrax i mean that is really scary you know you would think well, okay, these people are going to be protected. You know, even if it's if they, you know, even if it's an ICBM tipped with anthrax, there's no way the president and his staff and the cabinet, they, you know, they can't die. You know, it, it, it's like a, you know, a Hollywood movie. The good guy can't die in, in this sort of scenario. But the fact that Dick Cheney was like terrified that somebody might send him anthrax, I mean, that that kind of makes you wonder who, you know, the scale to which this was happening, you know, and. As you said, was this some insider that was, um, you know, tipping people off? I mean, which again, I think we we jump to 2018 and this talk with with North Korea and anthrax. That should raise serious questions if if Dick Cheney was genuinely concerned that somebody was going to send him anthrax, and that means that he wasn't actually in control of this particular operation, that this went above his head you know, that this
2: was or it's a smoke screen of some kind. I mean, yeah, that that's one yeah. way to look at it. I mean, it all, I mean, there, if you look at nine 11 and anthrax from a certain way, I think there is a legitimate argument to be made that whoever was, if you look at it from the perspective that it was some kind of inside operation that possibly Dick Cheney and George W. Bush were not fully in the loop. And that's a whole other, you know, strange way to look at those two events. I mm. think, um, you know, there have been authors like, you know I hate name-dropping Webster Tarpley. I have a, some serious problems <laughs> with him as a researcher and, and for other reasons. But, you know, he proposed the theory that, you know, about Angel is next, that there was actually information released on 9-11 and the day after that um, George W. Bush thought that there was actually an inside warning threat against him from the inside. And that's why he disappeared on his plane for hours and hours and didn't land in D.C. until the evening. Um. So I mean, but you know, that's that's opens up a whole other rabbit hole. Um. But I mean, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because I mean, I think that the closer you look at events like this, um, the less simplistic they they get. I mean, it's almost like the more you know about 9/11 and anthrax, the less you can actually say, this is who did it. You know, it was this yeah. country yes. responsible. It was this intelligence? It's to me, it's it's far more complicated than that. And the only real way forward as a researcher to look at this stuff, I think the best way, is to not have those conclusions in your mind. I mean, you have to, you really have to look at it from the perspective of I really don't know who did this, but I know that this the, the official version is complete BS. It's a cover story. But what are they covering up? I mean, I, I that that's the way I would prefer that people investigate these things. And I'm not going to tell people. How to do their investigating or investigations, but seems we've gotten way too off track in terms of the way that even you know just regular conspiracy theory people look at the stuff, where they know exactly who's behind it, you know right out of the gates, you know it was the Mossad, it was it was the you know, and I'm not saying also when I talked about that Matt Duhaert stuff earlier, I'm not saying that the CIA is as a slam dunk case that they were behind the Anthrax attacks. I really do not know. But I think there's some credible information out there to suggest that people in the CIA may have had something to do with it, specifically people like James Woolsey, um, who was the mm-hmm. former CIA director under Bill Clinton. So, um, you know, once some, that kind of evidence lines up with other things I've researched, then that's when I'll be like, okay, maybe, you know, there there is something probably to this, but we got to look, you know, just keep looking and digging on that um, instead of, you know, just sort of saying that the CIA did it and then forming all my, you know, sort of um, l- having tunnel vision and only looking at things that way. That's not how I'm looking at the anthrax attacks. So I don't know what, well, I, you know, I what think, a point I was even trying to make there. But
1: <laughs> No, no, but I think that, that sort of speaks volumes to the way that uh, – Conspiracy theories are are viewed uh, You know, specifically, we can look at 9 11, where it's it's uh you know, well, it has to be you know, it was the Mossad that did this for the Zionists, and that's it. And and maybe some of these people were you know. Whereas when you really start to unpack it, um, I don't know. I mean, I I almost hate saying it, but I mean, it's almost like it doesn't really matter who, you know, there. I don't think there's never going to be a smoking gun because the more you unpack it especially something like a 9-11 that's so big, you begin to see so many different angles and aspects of it. Like, I mean, like the anthrax stuff alone. I mean, that's that should be worth its own, you know, sort of scholarly investigation into it. Um, but, you know, we, we of course, live in a world where, you know, everything has to be sort of a cookie-cutter explanation, especially when it comes to a, a, a good old-fashioned conspiracy theory. Um, and I, I guess that kind of, um, it sort of works as a, a segue for for something else that we wanted to talk about today, um, and this is, um, uh, you know, you you mentioned before, Robbie, that the the anthrax attacks in 2001, um, you know, they don't have the sort of like, I don't know, cachet as uh, something like a uh, a pizza gate, let's say. Um, yeah, they don't and, have the
2: gravitas a, of of pedophilia <laughs> trafficking out of a pizza parlor. Barely. Right.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um and uh and of course uh Pizzagate has has not entirely disappeared unfortunately. Um it just sort of rebranded itself. <laughs> and um and um and you know as another sort of interesting um I, I don't know con- connection there. Um Matt DeHart is alleged, right? I mean this is what they busted him on was supposedly uh child pornography,
2: right? uh kind of it's a little more complicated than that but yeah but essentially yes
1: um well and i only bring that up because it seems highly i don't know i mean again i i've never spoken to matt de hart i don't know i don't know that much about i only sort of know him because you've talked about him before Roger. Yeah. but you know um you go after the cia um you know you you have some uh, association with like Anonymous and WikiLeaks and then suddenly you're um, busted for uh, indecent images of underage boys I mean that sounds like classic sor- sort of setup. up and um, uh, you Absolutely might know this did. better than yeah. I Robbie but I mean w- wasn't like DeHart also like drugged at one point and like taken to a hospital and he has like no recollection of what happened
2: yeah I mean I, I'm, I'm going to flood the details of that but yeah, he was, um, and his parents have been. I mean, part of the reason why his story is even still circulating and still like talked about is because his parents were savvy enough, you know. I mean, and and, and passionate enough um, about the welfare of their son that they keep bring you know talking to the press. They try to get the press to uh, talk about this, and then they also have contacted some organizations like the Courage Foundation and people who've worked with Barrett Brown and various other people who are, you know, familiar with the sort of the technical aspect of what Matt DeHart was doing, who have looked into some of the stuff that he was saying and have chosen, you know, that his story, to believe that his story is credible. Um, There's a little bit of a split in that community. There are a lot of people who don't talk about him and who don't make light of his case. Um, You know, for, unfortunately, I think that the Courage Foundation itself has maybe dropped the ball. To a certain extent, in talking about his case, but yet apparently they still, you know, they still have um, financial support of, of of him on their website and stuff. Um, but that is a very, I mean, yeah, that case in and of itself, um, you know, the, the actual charges that were alleged um, against him um, was, you know, um, it, it's it could have been planted, it could have been a, a, a setup um but at the same time like the the i think one of the best arguments i've seen about that case and why it's sort of bs is because what was he targeted for um the fact that it was almost like that the fbi targeted him specifically for that that in of itself is interesting let's not even look at the idea if he's guilty of innocent or doing it of doing it um which i don't personally think he was But just the idea that he was targeted for that specifically, that crime specifically that he was charged with is barely enforced. I mean, so it's interesting to see that he was targeted for that. Um, Mm -hmm. And that alone, you know, could be just a method, you know, and I'm not saying Matt to is guilty, but if someone, you know, has certain psychological, you know, weaknesses or sexual habits... And you know we we have at our disposal this huge NSA spying apparatus. How hard would it be to entrap someone or to find some weakness about someone and use it to take them down in that way? I mean, this is just me just speaking completely theoretically. So I think that you look at it either way, um, it's it's some kind of targeting, whether he was guilty mm. or innocent.
1: Oh well, and and this uh, this sort of brings me back to um th- what we wanted to get into uh been in the second hour and i think we even talked about i mean we did a Pizzagate episode i think it was me you and chuck ocelli talking about this and we yeah. brought up that that at that time um you know the the very idea that is this could this not be one huge sort of entrapment operation that um again i mean there there is a uh, unfortunately there seems to be a sort of growing um, I don't know, like, acceptance or, or sort of blurring of the lines when it comes to, like, acceptable behavior, when it comes to children. I mean, you look at Roy Moore, uh, you know, his supporters, well, you know, what what is age, really? And, you know, all these sort of horrific um, notions that are being tossed around, you know, both on the, the, the left and the right, you know, the, the, everybody is sort of guilty of this. But that's becoming more and more kind of out there in the mainstream, um, and we, you know, we at one point posited the idea that, like, you know, could this not be a way of just sort of um, roping in maybe well-meaning but not the smartest conspiracy theorists out there and, you know, kind of seeing, well, who's going to take the bait? You know, who's going to look at, at at these, you know, images and who's going go to go to an extreme length with this? Um, you know, we, we thought of the – I mean that this – especially that this was sort of originated on 4chan – um, that this could be some sort of an operation, um, or some sort of, you know, disinformation campaign or controlled opposition with the conspiracy movement. And then lo and behold, Robbie, we get the, the next, uh, iteration of Pizzagate, this bogus, eating, I mean, I almost don't, I, you know, I encourage people not to even, like, look too deeply into this. Um, cause you, you might have to go to 4chan or, you know, some idiotic sites like Infowars and things, but there's this like QAnon. This is this the the latest sort of iteration of this, and it originated on 4chan, of course. Um, and this is he's QAnon, I guess is is supposed to be some sort of high level insider, which nobody can really tell you. You know, White House, CIA, NSA, Do you know FBI? Nobody knows. there's just he's a high level <laughs> source, you know. And of course, it's a he. We all know it's a man. Um, you know, uh, and 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 he, you know, QAnon is leaking out, um, you know, information and and is talking about stuff, uh, basically insinuating that Trump is going after the pedos, that he's gonna lock them all up, uh, and uh, you know, and that the deep state is after QAnon and after Trump, uh, and and this has been. Um, you know, I saw this. If, I don't know, maybe a month or so ago, I guess, when it when it first sort of popped up on uh, um, Lionel, you know, from Lionel Media, who has just become a complete and utter joke. I mean, I, I at one point used to like listening to his show, uh, and he is just, I mean, drank the maga Kool Aid so hard. Um, You know, I honestly... Embarrassing, like, totally embarrassing. War- yeah, no, no, it, it's, like, pathetic. It's it's embarrassing. Yeah. Um, I'm ashamed to have ever known... You know, we had traded emails for a little while. You know, we knew each other, Um, and I'm embarrassed to have ever known him because, I mean, he is... <laughs> I mean, it's almost, like, worrying the degree to which, like, Lionel just went from someone that appeared to use logic to just, like, completely brainwashed into this you know, make America great again, Trump is the answer. And, I don't know, Robbie, I mean, maybe you can explain the, the, the oh, QAnon stuff a little bit better. But this is like, you know, this is sort of the way that the hardcore Trump people have kind of kept alive this idea that Trump is is the sort of great savior that the deep state is after. So, I mean, what is, what is, what is QAnon?
2: Well, really quickly before I actually t- talk about QAnon, I just wanted to say – how disappointing it's been to watch Lionel go from someone who was, you know, to me, a, a smart-sounding truther, basically, yeah. to a full-blown, controlled-opposition slurping, you know, MAGA drone. Um, yeah. It's absolutely shocking, but I also think it, it's a, it's sort of an illustration of the danger of how powerful this, what I would describe as blatant, controlled-opposition narratives, the danger of how much they're catching fire and how much they can influence people in the truther or movement. Um, that's, that's, to me, extremely worrying to see people who traditionally always thought that the U.S. government couldn't be trusted and, you know, didn't trust billionaires, you know, even militia people who were, you know, more truther or lean, who are, were part of Alex Jones's sort of cult, patriot movement cult, um, to, to have them now trusting yeah. the president of the United States and now thinking that the deep state is versus Trump, a billionaire who's filled his cabinet with oligarchs, is absolutely shameful, embarrassing, and just also extremely dangerous. Like, the fact that more people who are in those movements, who are paranoid of government, aren't seeing that shift as something truly dangerous in controlled opposition is, is actually shocking to me, um, that they all have their guard down that much. But just in general, just one view into this, and it goes sort of exactly in line with what I just said about sort of the militia movement letting their guard down, is QAnon, this 4chan, 8chan poster who claims he's a deep state insider, his whole narrative is now basically that, and this is something he's been pied-pipering people down this road for months, as you've been saying, he's basically been connecting Pizzagate to all this other stuff, you know, saying that Russiagate is retaliation for, the movements trump's been making to round up all the pedos so basically all this heat that's been coming down off trump on trump is because trump has this ultimate plan to arrest clinton to round up all the pedos including john podesta and all the pizza gay conspirators and to throw them all into guantanamo bay yes. so this is actually part of the narrative is that they're all going to gitmo apparently according to QAnon and on hundreds of thousands of these people who are buying into this QAnon narrative, and then additionally, that when Trump goes to arrest John Podesta and throw him into Gitmo, guess what's going to happen? The Soros-controlled riots are going to burst all around the country to try to stop Podesta's arrest, and then when that happens, Trump will need to implement martial law in order to save the country. So to me, this is one of the most interesting mental gymnastics conspiracy narratives I've ever seen in my life, because it's basically convincing hundreds of thousands of patriot movement, like right-wing militia people, that Trump's martial law is gonna be good. And that's like, whoa, like that is, I've never seen it get this far. I mean, that is like a full horseshoe effect, whatever you wanna call it, like going completely to the polar opposite. So now to act and then I didn't even take this QAnon thing very seriously. I thought it was just some kind of obscure Pizzagate morsel floating around there in 4chan world convincing some certain controlled opposition led morons that that it was real. But apparently Alex Jones and Roger Stone are reinforcing it as well and have actually gone out on their, you know, on InfoWars and said that he is about to send the the pedos to Guantanamo Bay. And... Mm -hmm. And then I was like, wow, that's really scary, and then I actually read the martial law thing from QAnon, and I was like, wow, that's even crazy, you know, that's crazier, that's scarier. But then I saw some other bizarre stuff, like today, um, or actually it was last night, I went on the Drudge Report, you know, thinking, okay, Drudge Report, he doesn't talk about Pizzagate, he knows sort of where the line is drawn when he's right, when he's right. sort of stoking yeah. the flames of this stuff, you know, he doesn't even post like that much racist stuff anymore, which is interesting because he was the one who popularized the knockout game and all a lot of that stuff. So, anyways, um, on Drudge Report there was a there was a center page. The top headline was Trump receives huge applause at this college football game he went to or something. So I clicked on the video, and uh, it was from a Twitter account. Um, So I went to the guy's Twitter feed just out of curiosity because the tweet for some reason had like almost like barely any retweets, like 10 retweets. But yet it was running as the front page link on Drudge Report. So I kind of like felt physically sick once I clicked on (laughs) the guy's Twitter feed and every other goddamn tweet the guy was tweeting was about QAnon. And I was like, oh, my God, Drudge is dog whistling people to look at QAnon, 100%. That's what he's Mm. doing. I mean, there's there was just no other reason to post to such an obscure Twitter account like that, Um, and I was just like, "This is really, really bad. Like, what's going on?" I mean, so (laughs) I don't know if you want to
1: say your opinion. Well, Robbie, I'll I'll jump in right here and say that you know, um, uh, when Trump he retweeted from that um, uh, Twitter account, MAGA pill. Yeah. you know and that was referencing some bogus poll or something you know oh trump is the most popular president ever and all maga pill does is write about qAnon so i mean then you almost wonder i mean you know i i sort of have trouble believing that trump is like that sort of like um wired into to operations you know what i mean like i just i really think he's just kind of there sitting you know watching fox and friends and you know uh just sort of like left to his own devices like i don't think that they would really let you know be like oh sir you should tweet this because this is going to make your conspiracy crowd just wet themselves with excitement <laughs> but you know it's it's it. Of course, though, that plays into the, you see, Trump is aware of QAnon, Trump is trying to, you know, he's sending us a message by tweeting from pill, this idiotic Twitter account linked to, you know, and it's basically just, it's got to be some guy in his basement, you know, again, with a hard-on for Donald Trump, and all he's doing is, uh you know, just sort of writing these bogus stories, you know, praising him as the greatest person of all time. Um, and you know, and also you know, throwing in this like Q and A stuff. Um, but I, I guess the the thing that is is just sort of um, shocking to me. I mean, aside from um, the fact that obviously Donald Trump is not rounding up any. I mean, he maybe he is rounding up. I know there's all these indictments, these sealed indictments, and people are constantly like, oh, you see, this is it. This is these are these are the pedos. Um, you know, but it could be. Uh, I mean, you you look at the, the, the some of these pronouncements that he makes about MS-13. Maybe the, that's what it is. You know, they, they could be gang members. They could be anybody. W- again, they're sealed. We have no idea who it is. But, you know, just as like a, a another aside, I mean, all of these people that, that keep talking about the QAnon stuff, and then I want to get into more what, what might actually be at play here, they all just ignore Donald Trump's connections to Jeffrey Epstein. And you know, I mean, again, so this guy is rounding up pedophiles while his the our our current Secretary of Labor is the guy that gave Jeffrey Epstein a sweetheart deal and cut sure. him this amazing deal. Okay? This is our Secretary <coughs> of Labor. And I I have not read the article yet. Um JP Satilli, uh he he sent it to me earlier today, but I am going to read it. Um but uh, Wayne Madsen and Andrew Krieg, and I, I like Andrew Krieg, and I I do sort of like Wayne Madsen now that he's um you know he's sort of uh, you know just sort of gone after Trump, and I I like Wayne Madsen, uh, but this isn't like an endorsement because sometimes I think he's just he says silly stuff, but. Um, when it comes to these sorts of things, I, I generally trust them. But they have a new article that they just wrote on the uh, Justice Integrity Project, which is Andrew Krieg's website and organization. Uh, called, and I haven't read it, but I, I will. But just as an, uh, something to keep in mind, it's called Welcome to Waterbury, referring to Waterbury, Connecticut, the city that holds secrets that could bring down Trump. And this is all about Trump and Epstein and this young woman uh, who accused them of raping her when she was 12 years old. Yeah. Okay, so, I, I mean, you know, the, and and I, I trust Wayne Madsen when he says, you know, he had some sort of insider that came to him. When it comes to those things, Wayne Madsen generally is telling the truth. Um, and again, I, I you know, it's just, it's, just, it's just something to keep in mind. I mean, there is like a real, you know, Pizzagate story out there, but it just, it actually happens to involve our current president. But, um, Robbie, that kind of aside, the thing that just sort of gets me with this QAnon stuff, and this has gotten even in, into crazy. I don't know if you saw this, you know, there were these like reports um, from QAnon and others, you know, of his ilk, talking about the Marines, uh, you know, um, surrounded uh, CIA headquarters in Langley, uh, and they were, you know, they were rounding up pedos there. Um, I did of not course, see that, wow. Yeah, yeah okay. well, I mean, of course, because it never actually happened. Uh, but you know that was that was out there. But this just reeks out of the sort of you know classic CIA controlled conspiracy opposition handbook, just like Pizzagate. You know, I mean it's it's it it originates on 4chan where nobody knows any you know nobody knows who these people are. Yeah. Um You know it, it's obviously if QAnon is real, you know of all the places he goes, it's 4chan. So again, it, it's people, yeah. they're appealing to people that they know already kind of agree with this. You know what I mean? That was why they, they the Pizzagate story broke on 4chan. Because everybody on 4chan is either is a pedophile, you know, and is trading for pornography, or they're all these like MAGA indoctrinated morons who want to believe this anyway. Yeah. And that's how they, they sort of seed this. But I don't know, Robbie, I mean, what's your take on this as controlled opposition?
2: Well, as you know Pierce, I mean only the um the satanic pedophile democrats are the <laughs> ones we should be afraid of. Right. Clearly nobody on the right side of the spectrum engages in pedophilia. They're not deep, you know, none of them are demons. So that's the framing that everybody should be looking at this in. But sarcasm aside, that's basically what the Q and non-wish fulfillment is all about. And that's what the Pizzagate wish fulfillment sort of thing was all about. And I say wish fulfillment, which is a phrase that someone used on Twitter responding to my question. It's like, what do you guys think of this Q QAnon thing? It's obviously BS, but you know, what do you think of it? Um, and someone described it as sort of a really skilled 4chan LARPer, LARPing as the, a deep state insider who's doing really skillful sort of wish fulfillment breadcrumb dropping over a long period of time. Just like mm-hmm. a, a clever hoax. And when I say clever hoax, it's really not even that clever. If you read some of these QAnon posts, it's just just like immediately the first sentence. I'm like, this is obviously fake. But okay, I'll keep reading because it's entertaining. Let me just give you an example so people know exactly what we're talking about. So here's one QAnon post. He says, my fellow Americans... Over the course of the next several days, you will undoubtedly realize that we are taking back our great country, the land of the free, from the evil tyrants that wish to do us harm and destroy the last remaining refuge of shining light. On POTUS's order, we have initiated certain fail-safes that shall safeguard the public from the primary fallout, which is slated to occur, um, I don't know if that's a date or what, upon the arrest announcement of Mr. Podesta. Confirmation to, of what is occurring, will then be revealed and will not be openly accepted. Public riots are being organized in serious numbers in an effort to prevent the arrest and capture of more senior public officials. On POTUS's order, a state of temporary military control will be actions and special ops carried out. Rest assured, the safety and well-being of every man, woman, and child of this country is being exhausted in full. However, the atmosphere within the country will unfortunately be divided, as so many have fallen for the corrupt and evil narrative that has long been broadcast. We will be initiating the emergency broadcast system during this time in an effort to provide a direct message, avoiding the fake news to all citizens. So that's just a taste, and I've just read you a (laughs) verbatim QAnon quote. Um, That's just a taste of what this is that's leading people into believing that there is about to be some kind of serious upheaval where Trump is the hero against the deep state villains who are all basically demon-crap, pedophile, you know, deep state insiders like Obama and John Brennan and Hillary, you know, and this all if you look at all the Q and QAnon posts, all they talk about is they link together everything since Pizzagate, to the Debbie Wasserman schultz wan brother stuff, to the Human um, Abedin emails, to Anthony Weiner it's basically like as if you've been re- watching George Webb's clickbait yeah, conspiracy yeah. hour, and just like told it as a story on 4chan, that's basically <laughs> yeah. what it is so it's really kind of basic stuff, but I don't know, man, it's really weird how much it's catching on. And, you know, they're even implying that Trump is dropping hints to get people to take QAnon seriously in his tweets, that there's coded tweets in Trump's tweets. You know, I thought... The oh, three that's, pluses that's, uh, yeah, in one of his tweets. That's obviously... Right? that I don't buy that, but I was kind of alarmed when I saw Matt Drudge's post on the top center of the front page going straight to a Twitter account that was all about QAnon. And I thought to mm-hmm. myself... That is not – that can't just be Drudge posting that just by accident. Like, I mean he, – and he goes on Alex Jones. Like, I, I don't know what he actually believes at this point in terms of this stuff, but, like, he knows that it's weaponized and it's effective. So Drudge at least knows that, that you can weaponize these deep state conspiracy theories in order to make Trump come out on top.
1: Mm. Oh, and, and I, and I want to point out again too uh, – and I made this point when the Pizzagate story broke – You know, the timing. Pizzagate becomes a thing, uh, you know, to distract from the very real claims of Trump's sexual abuse and, you know, serious things like rape uh, at the same time, you know? Uh, I mean, then it was the the Pizzagate story broke. You know, this is when someone is trying to sue uh, the, the, you know, presidential candidate for raping her when she was 12 years old with Jeffrey Epstein. And then what do we get? Pizzagate. And suddenly that story disappears. And I'm not saying that this is necessarily like the exact same timing, but, you know, I'm not surprised that, um, you know, the, for instance, there's an article that is just posted by Andrew Krieg and Wade Madsen digging deeper into this and we get QAnon, you know? <laughs> um and, and just as a, you know, to sort of like tie in that stuff, I mean – one of the the um the things that they um uh that they talk about, and this is just from my brief you know the first couple paragraphs um in this article at uh, justiceintegrity.org, org, is that um you know one of these victims of Trump and Epstein's was kidnapped from a pizzeria, you know which is why people follow the some of the Jeffrey Epstein stuff. They they will see that Wayne Madsen constantly talks about there is a PizzaGate story, but it has to do with Donald Trump. Um, but. I mean, no, I, I know what you mean. Though the way that this is is being like fed into, you know, again, like with the PizzaGate stuff, where it was, and and suddenly everyone kind of jumps on the bandwagon, um, and it it does make me wonder if you know is this not just again sort of cover for what's really happening? I know people may they've been saying you know that I don't know Trump signed some sort of like uh civil forfeiture asset thing that's going to like t- go after human traffickers and they're like oh you see this is I-, I mean so what you know i mean first of all it was an executive order so it's it's virtually toothless i would assume and anyway i, I mean that doesn't again so what what does that mean what does it mean, nothing- really mean for people
2: nothing i mean it means nothing because i mean they again there's some i mean there is probably some truth to the fact that what Trump promised is coming true in the sense that he's going to increase law and order he's going to untie some of the restrictions that people like the FBI and DEA had there's even a ridiculously propagandistic article floating around right now that came from Politico that's blatantly from a Trump insider trying to again throw tar at the Obama administration saying that you know he he forced or not not forced but he tied the DEA's hands So they couldn't um, go after a Hezbollah cocaine trafficking ring because Obama wanted to grease the skids of the Iran deal and and Mm -hmm. basically not put Hezbollah in the crosshairs for running this cocaine operation. DEA insiders were very upset, and basically the whole spin of the article is Obama was supporting terror because, you know, because of the Iran deal, he let this cocaine get into the country from Hezbollah, which, I mean, is that really that bad? If that's really what he was doing, I mean, that's probably in my mind. That's one of the only good things Obama did while he was in office. I mean, I I mean, there's plenty of people, and it's only raised this a funny point about this. Fox News is making such a huge deal about that that it's like, well, what percentage of Fox News hosts have done cocaine and enjoy cocaine? Probably a pretty high percent. You know, so for them to act outraged, Oliver North that, that. Is
1: still has a, a show on Fox News.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mr. Yeah. I ran Contra in charge. So <laughs> yeah. so it just really goes to show that um, there are these, um, you know, these narratives, uh, uh, you know, coming out that are that are basically just coming from Trump insiders um, that are designed to, you know, make it seem as if, uh, you know, and I mean, you know, maybe there, there's some truth to that story. But I guess the reason I bring that up is because, again, just because trump is maybe going harder after prostitution rings and sex trafficking does not equate to trump is busting the pedo rings if you look Mm. at all these stats that these morons keep talking about and say morons i mean people who are just you know complete partisan tools at this point who thinks that trump is amazing and you know is is great still and don't question anything he does they believe that trump is actually disrupting all these pedo networks and they're using just pretty bottom you know middle of the road sex trafficking busting stats to do it sex trafficking is not the same as pedophilia people i mean Yeah. yeah in some instances um underage women are trafficked to this country for prostitution you know there are there is underage prostitution but there is actually a different word you use other than pedophilia for like having sex with you know late teens girls who are technically not of age i mean even just if you want to get semantic, it's like the the fact that they're even conflating all of that with some kind of bust up of pedophile rings just shows how childlike it is. It's like not even based in any real reality. And even if Trump was somehow busting pedophiles or his Justice Department was at a slightly higher rate, that still doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't. <laughs> so it's like the whole fantasy is based on this idea that these elite pedos are about to go down, including Eric Schmidt. QAnon yes. claims that Eric Schmidt quit, resigned on the date he did because he's getting prepared for the pedo gate roundup. Mm. It's like, are you kidding me? So what is Trump doing <laughs> that He's just getting all the lower level pedophiles now as a as sort of a a, um, a prelude to arresting all the elite pedophiles? Like why did he wait so long to do that? It just that none of it adds up. So basically what, what will happen if he doesn't arrest any of these elite pedos? Are they just going to be move on, move the goalpost to another plank of like the conspiracy narrative? I mean, will, will they start thinking Trump himself is part of Pedogate if he's protecting these elite pedos? Because there's a lot of promises being made right now that just seem ridiculously, cartoonishly unrealistic. So I don't even know how his own supporters or the QAnon supporters are going to be able to hold on at a certain point.
1: I, I don't know either, but you know I'm, I'm shocked that they've stuck around this long to begin with. You know, um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they can just be convinced of uh, you know it it, it they're, it's secret or yeah we have to wait until the next term. Uh, you know, because then he'll be a lame duck, so you won't have to worry as much. I, you know, I who knows they'll come <laughs> up. I think they will. They will come up with something to sort of some get out of jail free card. For this, but you are right, Robbie. I mean, serious promises are being made uh, to to the conspiracy crowd, and you know, if if if, if uh, El Presidente doesn't um, you know follow through with this, I mean, what does that say about it? As you said, I mean, is he involved? Is this all a hoax? I mean, it. I yeah. I mean, there, there's serious, um, you know. Uh, I, I mean, I, I never thought I would say this, but like you know, serious political ramifications. Uh, especially considering that, like you know, again, this group that's supposed to you know never trust the government, don't vote. They all voted for Donald Trump. They will vote for him again. You know, yeah. I mean, I and I, I feel like that is what this really kind of uh, boils down to. Is you know, whoever QAnon is, who I assume is probably just some you know Trump lackey, you know, in the White House or somewhere who goes on and, and does these things because you know this is a rallying cry to his political base. Um, and uh, you know and, and everyone kind of knows that they can they can cash in on you know be it Alex Jones or Lionel or any of these other moron clickbait uh, so-called journalists out there. They all know that they can kind of cash in on this and you know it makes them seem like they're in the know and they're 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 cutting edge and whatnot and uh, you know so they'll, they'll all make YouTube videos about this but it, it it yeah, I don't know. I mean it is like to what end um, and also I mean it's it's just so, obviously controlled opposition I mean uh, seriously it's like what it's the most blatant what is the version point? of it I've ever seen I know I mean and it's just like what have we been doing as a as a as a movement the conspiracy movement for the past like you know I don't know three or four decades if we we can't even realize you know when we're being conned and not in a very clever way either you know what I mean this isn't this isn't like a a really sort of like deep um you know, complicated con con game. This is a really simple one. Um, but anyway, we we are at the break. Um, or at the end of the show uh, Robbie Martin thank you so much for joining us of course everyone can go to AVeryHeavyAgenda.com to check out all of Robbie's films you can also go to MediaRoots.org where him and Abby do uh, weekly uh, podcasts which I highly encourage uh, so Robbie thank you for joining us um, thank you for listening of course if you want to support me you can go to Patreon.com slash Pierce Redman uh, but uh, anyway I will be talking to you all very soon
5: No
4: rules, no rules. No taboo topics, taboo topics. No fear of doom, no fear of doom. We are, are American Freedom Radio. American Freedom Radio.
3: American Survival Wholesale is a proud sponsor of the American Freedom Radio. And when you purchase quality products from americansurvivalwholesale.com, you help support this program. Our quality non-GMO foods do not contain MSG, high-fructose corn syrup, or heavy metals. At American Survival Wholesale, you can choose from over 8,000 quality products, including self-defense weapons, bug-out bags, and long-term storable food at wholesale prices. We also have custom food packs available, including gluten-free, dairy-free, and vegetarian packs. If we don't have it, you don't need it. American Survival Wholesale is a veteran-owned and operated company which also supports our veterans in need, and we are very active in disaster relief. If you would like to become a distributor, please email us at USA.com or call 818-720-0759. We offer free consultations to answer all your questions. Do it today while things are calm. That's americansurvivalwholesale.com.
2: This is Rick Simpson, and you're listening to American Freedom Radio.
0: And I hope people support American Freedom Radio. And I hope people vote with their dollars and really understand the value of having American Freedom Radio. Because that's my family. If you love me at all, Jack Blood, support American Freedom Radio. Like, my family has literally disowned me. (laughs) American Freedom Radio, Danny and Don and those guys, those are my actual family. So please, please support these guys because they have all the technology. They have all these great things that they're going to do. But obviously, they can't do it all by themselves. So not only would I like to see you support them, I'd like to see you retweet them and repost them and really get involved and get on the the bandwagon, so to speak, on doing that do-it-yourself promotion because they're a do-it-yourself radio network. and, uh, And we just need that so much
6: assassination. You know what's interesting about assassination? Well, not only does it change those popularity polls in a big hurry, but it's also interesting to notice who it is we assassinate. Did you ever notice who it is? Stop to think of who it is we kill. It's always people who've told us to live together in harmony and try to love one another. Jesus, Gandhi, Lincoln, John Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, Martin Luther King, Medgar Evers, Malcolm X, John Lennon, they all said, try to live together peacefully. Bam! Right in the... F- head currently we're not ready for that yeah that's difficult behavior for us we're too busy thinking around sitting around trying to think up ways to kill each other here's one we came up with it's efficient too genocide you know killing large numbers of people simply because they don't look like you they don't talk like you and they don't have the same kind of hats you do <laughs> you ever notice that anytime you see two groups of people who really hate each other chances are good they're wearing different kind of hats <laughs> keep an eye on that it might be important
5: You're listening to AmericanFreedomRadio.com, the network who perseveres in delivering intelligent debate, constructive dialogue with true independence. The freedom to broadcast the truth is not free at all. So, what is American Freedom Radio worth to you? The empowering information with fun, honest, and pure integrity behind it provides an example to follow, friendships to flourish, with the moral altruism that pulls no punches. The hosts sacrifice and show remarkable discipline in their duty to deliver quality radio and service to the community with strength, wisdom, and loyalty. The founders of AFR wish to thank you personally for sharing your views and insights to make the best radio and alternative media. Now it's time for you to give something back and play a vital role in the future of America. Be as generous with us as we've been with you. Click on the donate banner at AmericanFreedomRadio.com or volunteer by emailing Radio at Ymail.com. Vaccine, psychotropic drugs, and artillery batteries not included. Launch sequence initiated. We're now in the approach phase,
4: everything looking good. Prepare your mind to experience
3: American Freedom Radio.